This episode of See Here is brought to you by Seventeen. 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 Yeah. Episode seventeen of uh, the See Here podcast. I will be your host this month. Uh, my name is Bernie. Joining me, we have uh, South Korea. We have Tim. Hey. Enthusiastic as ever, Tim. Mm-hmm. And in Australia, we have Morris. Soldiers of the night. There, there we go. That's better. And uh, Wendy, you. I'm expecting big things from you now. In Fort Wayne, Indiana, the uh, lovely Wendy Freeman is joining us. Hi, friends. <laughs> Pretty good. I don't know. Seven out of ten. I just give my usual. <laughs> All right. I just don't give my usual welcome. Okay, well, uh, you know, it's, it works for us. Uh, okay, yeah, so we're all gathered this month to talk about the 1988 film, I believe, Black Roses, which is a heavy metal horror movie. Yeah, here we go, heavy metal horror. What do you guys think? Uh, are you up for something a little different this month? This is the first time we've done musical horror. But yeah, it's probably the first heavy metal horror, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's not uh, strictly uh, a musical as such, is it? It's a horror film with music. <laughs> well, but it's centred around it's centred around the band, so that's worth it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, this film um, it's an old staple. In, back in Canada, we used to have pay TV networks. So it was First Choice and the Super Channel. And I think in the States, it was you guys had the USA up all night. And this was mm-hmm. uh, something that was played again and again and again. I can't count the amount of times I've seen this film, like on a Friday night at 4 a.m., you know, coming home off a of bender, you know, and just. I you forgot know, I had seen this film. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the VHS cover to this film? It had, like, the molded plastic. Yeah. Right. The embossed, really amazing art. You're right, though, about forgetting that you've seen this film. Because, I mean, like I I was saying, it was played so many times, you know, in the the early 90s. I had seen bits and pieces of it, but I'd never seen the whole film completely right through, you know? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So so then when you start watching it, you're going, wait a minute. Oh, shit, I remember this. Like, oh, yeah, like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Morris? Uh, Had you uh, seen this before? I had not seen this film before, and I came away just thinking, "There's so much to say about this film." <laughs> I'm, I'm, look, I'm going to play my my cards right up and out the front. I saw that IMDb had an overall rating, I think, of about 4.1 for this film. It is. And I want to make this statement. Fuck those people who gave it that rating. That's what I want to say. I love this film. The next hour hour is going to be, or however long, about why I love it. And I hope, I don't know, I'm not sure where you guys stand yet. but Let's let's keep a little suspense going. Let's let's build up to that. Right. Yeah, you, okay. you know I love it for one magical actor, 
and that man is Carmine Apache. <laughs> well, hang on, actor, actor. Uh, I was going to yeah, ask you. Uh, I, I was going to ask you guys, as we have two drummers in the Sea Hero crew, uh, it must oh, have been a real thrill for you to. Uh, well, three. You're 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 a drummer, weren't uh, well, you? Well, yeah, I'm retired, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Did did you get a special well, thrill from seeing Carmine? I, use, I did because I use his book to teach my students. I've been no teaching way. out of Realistic Rock, which is like his his drum book. I, I've been I used. I used to have that book. I, I used to have that same book. <laughs> and I'm always trying to tell my kids that Carmine is actually really cool. How is his last name? Is it Apache or Apiece? I, I feel like I said both. I was calling Apiece. Apiece. Yeah, Apiece. Yeah, okay, it's so, Apiece. Yeah. We started playing with Vanilla vanilla Fudge, you know, like back in the <laughs> 60s and 70s. And then part of the soundtrack of Black Roses is a band called King Cobra. And that was his band. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. they actually so, play a lot of the, the tunes in the... Um, the film don't they right Part of the funny thing is, is that I'm not to go too far ahead already, but one thing I find is interesting is that the band Black Roses actually is made up of the songs of about three or four different bands. Right. Okay. And let's not forget that Carmine co-wrote Do You Think I'm Sexy? Oh, you right. forgot that's Rod. He was yeah. part of Rod Stewart's band, wasn't he? Yep, yep. 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 He was a Rod Stewart's band for a while. He co-wrote that song. <laughs> I've learned something new today. I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> And he looks, it's an interesting fact that he would write such a song like, Do You Think I'm Sexy? Because to me, I've always thought that he looks a bit like Ron Jeremy. <laughs> I think he looks <laughs> he like a. He, such a 70s he looks like a, a fat Tom Savini. Right. <laughs> In this, well, anyway. Come on, you, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me, Morris, you couldn't see Ron Jeremy singing "If You Want My Body" and you think I'm, do you think I'm sexy? And oh, I, 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 I completely can imagine him singing, <laughs> singing it and to himself video, in the he's mirror. Over, he's all over that video. It's so great. Oh. The, you oh, remember yeah. that video where like like Rod Stewart's in a sailor suit and it's like all these bubbles? <laughs> oh my god! Right, dude, that's like childhood nightmares for me. That's just oh, Rod Stewart in a sailor suit. Did you guys oh. ever have? Uh, I don't know if you had this. I don't know if it was a UK thing, but we had this uh, specific type of bubble bath for kids called Matey. This ring any bells? Oh, no. <laughs> the was... only reason that I know about Matey was from the young ones, because I'm sure Lick... Quite possibly, uh, had yeah. ...used a... But it the, was the matey bubble bath. It was basically the, the, the sort right. of bottle design was like a, a, this sailor guy in a sailor outfit, and then the, the cap, the, you right. know, the bit you unscrew was his sailor's cap. So um, <laughs> I, see. I, I had matey in the bath well, with me quite a lot when I was younger. I had the Wonder Woman bath foam where like Shut her mouth up. was like a blowjob mouth, and it would spray out of her wow. mouth. Oh my god! Well, I don't know much about uh, Rod Stewart in the sailor suit, but I did hear an urban legend about uh, something about him and semen. So. 
<laughs> Zing. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Trashy Quartet podcast. Well, let's try and get it back on the rails a little bit. So, Canadian movie, I believe, shot in, I guess, right. shot in 87, it came was... out in 88. Right. It feels earlier than Shot in Toronto. Toronto, yeah, I think it was about 80, 86, 87. It looks more like that to me, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was shot in Toronto. Parts of it were shot in Toronto, and parts of it, I think, were shot in a little town called Dundas, which is probably about 45 minutes from my hometown. Yeah, there are some uh, definite Canadian accents in this, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Well, even the police, <laughs> when you see the, poli- the, the police come out with their, their little black caps with the red bands on them, you know, like the, those are the Ontario Provincial police it's it's pretty funny so tim uh, being canadian do you think this is an accurate representation of the canadian lifestyle well i think this is an accurate representation of the 80s lifestyle anywhere in north america a lot of i mean like the little you know little bumfuck towns and you know all the kids who were with their poodle haircuts you know and uh you know they were they're basically jumping on anything that would come into town i i had to laugh at the beginning uh of this film where they they come rolling into the town in two of these like you know look like uh what what was the Lamb- guys they were name? lamborghinis uh, they were lamborghinis yeah well <laughs> yeah lamborghinis or i was gonna say there was the there was the guy who uh the sports car designer who got busted selling all that coke what was his name delorean delorean right they look like a couple yeah, of deloreans okay. right yeah like they <laughs> Back to the future type of shit, you know. Right. But then they come rolling into the town, and, and I had to laugh because uh, the dude, the the singer there, he looks like Rick Springfield, right? Oh, totally, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, Face it, anyone yeah. with long hair from the eighties looks like Rick Springfield, right? <laughs> sure, sure. See, but Rick Springfield sure. didn't really have long hair; he just had like a discreet mullet. A discreet yeah. mullet. Rick Springfield, like, right? Like a discreet actually, mullet exists. He was tasteful. He was. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy, Discreet Mullet, this they guy in the this... band that opened Black Roses. Well, let's uh, let me just uh, inject like... a, a little bit of storyline here. I've written a synopsis here. Can I read it? Oh, oh fine. Go please ahead, Morris. Do. Yeah, please do. Because IMDb had nothing. So Their I'll, I'll do my is, best. Uh, one sentence, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. I'll I'll, I'll do my best. Give us in a dramatic a reading, Morris. Okay, here we go. A heavy metal band rolls into small town Canada to play a series of shows at the local high school. They are all disguised demons and will use heavy metal to lure the kids into acts of sex and violence, just as the good church-going, law-abiding adults of the town fear they will. Does that work? (laughs) That was perfect. Thank you. ahead a wee bit 
were, were was that girl playing strip poker or strip gin rummy or whatever it was with her actual father? No, no, no. That was yeah. her, that was her daughter's her f- friend. No, his daughter's that, friend uh, because yeah. she wasn't playing. They were just whatever. When she went to bed, they then started playing strip gin rummy, didn't they? Wait, wait. Was there any incest in this? I'd be really, really bummed if I misinterpreted this. No, I don't. I don't think there was. Sorry to disappoint you, but. <laughs> oh damn it! All right, okay. It, it the, the movie just went down a score. It just went down the entire number score. <laughs> oh god! So, I thought we were going shivers. I thought this movie went a little shivers on us, but I'm wrong. <laughs> afraid so. Now it only gets an eight. Oh right. So oh, look, I wanted to ask you guys: Were any of you hair metal fans during the eight? Of course. Oh yeah. Oh, I should have known better than to get a different response from from Wendy on that. My brother played in a band that opened up for Winger, and they opened up for the Bullet Boys. <laughs> Bullet Boys. Oh my god. Ooh. Jeez. Yeah, he was always like this close to being signed, you know, like he was always this close to being on a major label and never quite worked for him. I have to say, when I was a teenager, hair metal was the enemy. I was uh, I was a teenage goth and I hated this stuff. But funny, no, uh, this kind of stuff, some of it's aged actually better than the music I was listening to at the time. So. <laughs> I like the early Scorpion stuff, like Virgin Killers and the 70s Scorpions, you know, and Priest. But I mean, but the whole like, you know, Rat and, you know, like Trickster and all all, all the hairspray oh. shit. I never got into any of that at all. And it just made me laugh. And what, uh, one thing I was going to really f- say that was funny is how the evilness of, of heavy metal is kind of, you know, exaggerated or, or just kind of misconstrued. I remember there was a British band from your neck of the woods, Bernie, that you're familiar with very well called Venom. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And, yes. <laughs> and, and when, when Venom came out, it was funny because it's like I remember, you know, being in a record store and looking at their album cover and in the back of it says, you know, we drink the vomit of the priests. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, you know, and later I'm thinking, OK, it's like these guys, you know, they don't walk around the back of a chapel or a rectory and knock on the door at midnight. <laughs> Excuse me. We're a bit thirsty. Do you have any priests that are sick, by the way? You know, I It's just it's- hilarious, right? It's- it's funny that you picked uh, Venom there, uh, Tim, because if you know about sort of local accents and stuff in the UK, they come from uh, Newcastle, and the Newcastle right. accent, I, I can't do it myself, but basically it sounds uh, worse and more stupid than the Brummy accent that Aussie has. And oh, yeah. Th- these guys in Venom, they were essentially like, a, a, it's like three of them, isn't there? They were like three bricklayers who decided to start right. a metal band. And they're just like, you know, the least satanic people you can imagine in real life. So oh, yeah. I've always found it really amusing that, you know, they're progenitors of satanic and black metal. And it's like some, exactly just three fucking bricklayers from Newcastle, you know. Well, the Beastie Boys sampled. There's a, there was a live tape with Black Flag was playing when Black Flag opened up for Venom on their last tour. And anyway, uh, there was a cassette of... Uh, them taping the monologue of Venom. Yeah. And it was hilarious because, like, Cronus, their singer, he'd, he'd come out, he'd just be like, we're Venom, black fucking metal, blah. You know, and everyone's laughing at these guys. And he's like, we drink Newcastle Brown Ale. <laughs> you know, nobody knows what that is, blah. 
you know, and, and, and the Beastie Boys sampled uh, off that cassette. It was like a it was a really famous underground cassette. Just the monologue that Venom was using. It, there, I forget what song it was the Beastie Boys had where Cronus is like, it's wild, wild, man, wild. You know, it was just hilarious. So what I'm what I was trying to say earlier was that when you had all these church groups that were thinking that, you know, these guys were monsters and reprobates and just the spawns of Satan. But if they really knew what kind of fucking idiots these dudes were <laughs> that, you know, they wouldn't have a leg to stand on. Isn't that the nature? Like, there's always an outrage. Like, you remember, it was D&D. Like, people were terrified of your kids play Dungeons and Dragons. They're going to become, you know. And like when I was sure. in high school, it was like white supremacy. Like, people were terrified of skinheads. And meanwhile, like, all those people that were into that were raging idiots. You know, like, there's sure. always something that people believe is is like the big menace or, you know, like the big teenage menace that's always just well, that doesn't always, have uh, the people are always willing to blame something else rather than actually look right. at why things might sure. be happening the then way I should look are. at parenting so, yeah. 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 and you know I was going to say if it wasn't for the nudity in this film you could almost say to an extent that this film was would could almost be used by a church group or something absolutely it would be an after school as, special it yes, would totally be an right, after the school perils, totally, yeah. the perils of heavy metal you know the day yeah, yeah. my kid became a heavy metaler yeah <laughs> Yeah. Right. yeah, except for the weird, like, random titty groping. Yeah. It would totally be that, you know? I mean, look, what I wanted to sort of say about that was the, when you listen to, like, some of the lyrics of the songs that the bands, that Black Roses performs in the film, it's almost like the whole history of rock and roll has completely passed Mill Basin by. Uh, <laughs> So there's there's this, what was the song, Rock Invasion, and I made note of this. The time has come to get together. We're going to rock this town tonight. I've got the thunder. You've got the lightning. We've got the power to win the fight. We are the rulers of tomorrow. Shout out the message loud and clear. It's a rock invasion. I mean, really, those are the magic words that are going to turn these kids into satanic, blood-guzzling demons, and rightly right. so, that these church-going folks should feel upset, really. What the well, I'm uh, glad that you were also you were also like taking down the guitar tab while you're listening to this movie. I, I, I did, yeah, as is my way, Wendy. Maybe we need you're, to you're start preparing the end. acapella. You're putting together your acapella charts for these songs. Well, funny you should mention that because at Tim's request, the Ice Halos, I have written an acapella version of Ace of Spades, but that's somewhere down the line. She doesn't yeah. believe so, me. It's the truth. Tell us. Um, no, I think that's awesome. Thing, I think that's awesome. One thing I wanted to say that they kind of. Uh, set the polarities in this film the the two opposing forces you know you've got damien the singer of the black roses you know and then you've got the 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 school the high school local high school english teacher who looks exactly like uh do you guys know the mma guy dan severin no i don't know <laughs> No, he look he look you know uh, he looks like Dan Severin. Like it's hilarious with his mustache, man. He's got the he's got that Tom Selleck mustache going on, right? Right, right. I thought he looked a bit like uh, Geraldo's kind of slightly less Hispanic brother. Yeah. <laughs> and how old were these high school kids? Well, oh shit, yeah, yeah exactly. But that's actually that's actually a good thing because you sort of figured with some of the groping that was going on in this film and <laughs> some of the propositions from uh, yeah. some of the students that was very Nabokov. Well, like would have really otherwise got the film set closed down. So that's probably not a bad thing. But really, when you think about it, I, I'd say Stockard Channing in Greece is probably the oldest looking 
teenager I've ever seen yeah. in film. So really, you know, they weren't doing too badly, but they, yeah, they were late twenties, early thirties looking teenagers, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. pretty much all of them were definitely. Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. Logan. Johnny, get out of bed. Get out of bed. You're just like your father. Don't you, you're going to be a bum. God, he looked like he was hung over throughout the whole film. He had huge bags under his eyes, and uh, oh, yeah. right. he just didn't look like he was having any fun. Apart from when he, they were being <laughs> juvenile delinquents and tipping that paint over in know. the street. There, that was some pretty hardcore stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rebellious. That <laughs> yeah. was you have got to paint this town red. Literally, yeah. Ooh. There's some things in this film, like I mean, there's no way they could they could uh, shoot this today because it's like there's the one part where the, the Italian kid, that big. Uh, the big uh, tough kid, the Guido. Yeah. When he's at home with his old man, and when his dad says, "Hey, what's that?" He goes, <laughs> "What? It's an earring." Yes, goes, this is my yeah, favorite line. Two, yeah, there's only two kinds of people with earrings: fags, pirates. We don't have a ship in the yard. <laughs> yeah, I don't see a ship in the, in the drive. Driver. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was yeah. going to bring I was going to bring that whole scene up because that really is my favorite scene in the it's film. And, uh, Vincent Vincent Pastore, who is playing as the father, that was I'm sure his audition tape for getting into the Sopranos. Was he also the guy on Murphy Brown? Was he on, No, that was Vincent Pastore. You're right. He was on Sopranos. Go on. Yeah, yeah big. Big pussy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, no, you're totally right. Vincent Pastore. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I gotta he, say. He, he, he couldn't have been that big because he got sucked into a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> that but in the just, magic uh, world of demons, anything is possible. But, uh, no, look, I, I absolutely thought that that scene was pure gold. And here's a little interesting thing. I was listening to an interview with the film's director, John Fasano, on the projection booth, because I think it was about a year ago or so, they actually covered this film. And they were <laughs> they were interviewing the director. Fasano had gone and said that, like, he'd originally gone and made the film. He had the budget. Like, he'd already gone and made a couple of other films. And each one, he got a little bit more money on. But on this film, he I think the original length of the film was something like about 110, 115 minutes. And the producer went and said to him, I want you to cut out 10 minutes from the film. And if you don't, I will, because it's just gone on too long. So he ended up cutting about 20 to 25 minutes out of the film. Uh, it, it was difficult for him at first, but he eventually did it. And it turns out that some of the best scenes in the film. Oh, oh sorry, I should actually say once he'd cut out some of those scenes, the um, producer said, well, now you've cut it too short. Here's some more money. Go make a couple of extra scenes. And a couple of the best scenes in the film were made after the fact. And this was one of them, the scene where Vincent Pastore gets sucked into the speaker by that, that Evil demon. stereo speaker demon. Now, I, I wanted so just, to, uh, um, to mention to you guys, I mean, the film is pretty much played straight all the way through. I mean, surely mm -hmm. they must have had their tongue in cheek to a certain extent. They must have uh, been aware of how ludicrous some of this was. But the, the scenes <laughs> you were just talking about, Morris, the speaker scene and I suspect maybe the scenes at the end with the uh, the rubber demons. The, the demons. Uh, no, that's that's no? not the one. Actually, so I'll, I'll I'll come I'll come in a little while to okay. uh, the other scene. Oh, right. But the, the the scene with the uh, you know where um, Vin, Vinny gets sucked through the uh, the speaker and various other demon appearances. The, you know the demons kind of look like fairly half-assed satanic muppets. They are obviously just <laughs> right. puppets that are. Uh, and they look so stupid and out of place. 
and yet everybody mm-hmm. plays it completely straight around them. Uh, and I don't know, I, I wondered how whether you guys thought that was successful or not, whether that added to oh. it or detracted from it or... No, it completely worked. Absolutely. I loved it. I, I could imagine being young. Look, pal, I'm, I'm as old as I am and I it still made me, oh, no, what's happening? Oh, that, that monster, it's so scary. I, really, I, I freaked out when I saw this. And I imagine if I'd watched this like as a you know 15-year-old, it would have absolutely made me wet my pants. So I I, com- I completely think it worked. I loved it. You know, there he goes. He's playing his evil Black Roses record, and it goes bubble, 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 and he <laughs> looks into the speaker, and he looks around the room, and out comes this long vacuum cleaner hose, and and, and <laughs> the, the the monsters on the end of it, and it, it you can see the fear in Vincent Pistorius. It completely worked. I I'm, you think I'm taking the piss? I really was think it worked. Fear? I loved was that it. Fear? Was it just like what the fuck have I got myself into? No. I, I, I think it absolutely worked in the in the context of the film. It's just it's I can understand people having a kind of uh, you know a different reaction to us though. Well, those people are, are dummies. Yeah, they're, <laughs> the, they're, the, they're the people who went and gave this film a four point one on IMDb. Yeah, and I've already made it clear. Fuck those people. Yeah, well, well, I'm glad this movie hasn't had like some sort of ironic comeback. I'm surprised people haven't like embraced this film as some sort of like goofy kitsch thing, you know. Well, give it time, Wendy. Once people hear this podcast, I'm. <laughs> It's a good no, they will come and they will worship it. Actually, I think listening to this podcast might turn people into rubber demon monsters. Yeah, well, you if know, you've turned into a rubber for. demon monster, please write in and let us know. Send yeah. Us, uh, yeah, send us video footage. <laughs> the, voice, the voice of Bernie is capable of doing that. Well, what can I say? <laughs> I, I, I got a question about the opening scene of the film, and this is possibly going to give a little bit away, but, you know, okay, so the opening scene of the film has band playing in their, um, shall we say, demon disguise, which we never see them or just about never see them do anywhere else in the film. They're in their yeah, I thought disguise. that was really <laughs> weird. I thought that was really weird. But I, I, there's this thing that they keep sort of saying throughout the film or that the town's kids keep saying, they've picked our town to be the first place they've never performed outside the studio. So Yeah, what were they, uh, the they... Steely Dan of satanic music? <laughs> Yeah, but well, look. But the fact is, you know, they've gone and played this obviously this big concert before. So are the people in Mill Basin really that isolated from the rest of the world? Are they that dumb? Or in fact, is this one of those very clever films where they say, "Look at this terrible scenario. How did they get there? Is this is this the end of the story? You needed a um, after that opening. You think the whole movie? You needed a, uh, whole movie two a years flashback? earlier uh, credit <laughs> yeah. over yeah. the screen, didn't you? So there would be no uh, no confusion there. But yeah, I know what you mean. I, <laughs> exactly. I thought that as well. I thought that had flashed ahead and then it was it was coming back. Because I thought the guy who was running in to stop that concert was the mayor, uh, Mayor Farnsworth, the guy with the ginger comb over. I thought he was uh, running in, but perhaps I got uh, got my ginger wires crossed. I don't know. Right. Maybe not. Uh, one thing I did want to mention now mm. the uh, the hero of the piece, who is the uh, teacher, uh, Mr. You know, there's always like the smart, poetry-loving English teacher. Oh. That's always the hero. That... Well, I think if you take a step back and look at him and how he acts, that dude is super creepy. And he is probably yes. more of a threat to the kids of that community than any satanic rock band. I mean, first well, of all... Well, considering it seems like he was playing he was playing the girls against each other as sort of like teacher's pet. Am I wrong? Abs- no, you're absolutely right. Well, you're not wrong. 
Did you notice yeah. there was uh, there was a part where you see his uh, apartment a bit later, and he's got pictures on his wall of him hanging around with his students, like the two girls he's playing off each other, and another and Johnny's there, and they're not in a classroom. They seem to be still outside a bar or something. Why would you have a picture like that on your wall? That's creepy. And which the is, other thing, which is the real reason why his girlfriend had ditched him. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was like he's perving on these uh, young uh, school kids. The other thing I wanted to mention is his dress sense was far more frightening and scary than any of the satanic people as well he's got uh i think uh he's got like a, a white roll neck sweater and a black hoodie combo uh which was pretty good he when um they all show up to the uh the black roses concert all the uh the church people show up just to check that it's not satanic or anything he walks in and he's got a safari jacket on tell me a man in a safari jacket with a mustache is not a threat in some way or other but this is the 80s bernie i mean surely it was the the decade when taste took a dive i mean that might have been actually considered normal for the time right well i don't know i guess so i guess so but there's always people willing to make excuses for this kind of thing and wasn't it funny though bernie like you were saying how everybody went to check out the band like parents and shit and now at first you know it was like they were like striper yeah <laughs> like they, they, they were, they, yeah. they were just like we love everybody, you know. And then as soon that, as uh, they uh, see that door close, as soon as oh, those yeah. doors close, Damien's like, and the teacher's yes. eyes meet, and he thinks I've got my eye on you. I yeah, know yeah, yeah. What a moment yeah. that was. Well, look, that you was know, loaded. I don't know why, I don't know why we're wasting our time discussing crap like Walt Whitman when we could be talking about the greatest poet who's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Damien. <laughs> well, particularly That's when right. you listen to his lyrics for that song he was singing uh, at the start of that My Hometown. That was just some. My Hometown, they do a Bruce Springsteen cover? No. Uh, no. No, not that My Hometown. No, it was it's better than the Springsteen one. Now, the, his, the, the thing that I made note of, but that might just be where I'm coming from, is like, you know, that moment where they do that opening song, what was it called? Paradise. And they're, you know, they're getting all journey on our ass. Yeah. And you know, the, the parents and the adults of the town are saying, well, you know, I guess the kids seem to like them. I guess they're no harm down. But I would have just been saying, oh, fuck, he's playing a Korg synthesizer. They're evil. They're evil. Run them out of town. <laughs> End of story. You know, they speaking were of, they were the uh, the antichrist. Speaking of uh, yeah. synthesizers, Morris, did you guys notice that the incidental music was really kind of weirdly inappropriate? It sounded like some sort of strange library music for industrial training videos or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that, they, was... they couldn't they, they couldn't keep consistent with that, Bernie. I mean, they started out with some of that hor- the beginning of the film with some of that horrible saxophone music that. You expected to hear over a cheesy 80s commercial where someone's about to sell you some J&B whiskey. And then <laughs> later on, you get some of that sort of evil 80s slasher synthesizer horror film type music. So, yeah. But yeah, it was it was all over the place and some of it really didn't seem to fit. Wendy, um, did you um, notice the scene? I thought particularly of you when um, the, uh, you know, the satanic music is having its effect on the uh, young people. That little boy was throwing his Batman man and aquaman toys on the fire <laughs> i know i saw that i was like that that is evil that, that is, is evil. very evil satan is totally involved there yeah, yeah once you start throwing aquaman the fire, yeah oh no that is wrong that yeah. kid is, is yeah he is bound for for hell that was pretty traumatic wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, 
did. I like that scene a lot. <laughs> so I, I want to bring up something a little serious for a second, which is probably out of place in this discussion, but I don't really remember much in the 80s, but I imagine maybe Wendy or Tim, you might. I'm going to mention the name Tipper Gore. Of and, course, of course, the PMRC. Yeah. And the PMRC and the Filthy 15. So this film came out two years, I think, two years after, I think, sort of Tipper Gore led that committee. <coughs> so, you know, in like doing a little bit of reading about this, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole, and as much as I didn't like them as a band, but seeing Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister come and talk to the committee, my esteem for him went up several thousand notches. It's so, it's so, so, so a couple of years well, ago, I was at San Diego Comic-Con, and I was hanging out with Dee Snyder's son, uh, Jesse, and there was that group, there, oh, what's it, the, the Westboro Baptist group, and they're protesting this comic convention for whatever reasons, and he starts to go into this whole rant about censorship and blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, this this is the PMRC speech. <laughs> like you're basically giving me your dad's PMRC speech right now. <laughs> but I thought it was it. funny how the the Trinity was, you know, D. Snyder, John Denver, Zappa. and Zappa. And I thought, how, how bizarre! Like, I mean, imagine those three guys getting stuck in an elevator, right? Like, <laughs> I could watch an entire series of that. Like, that would just be incredible, you know? Like. If, if you ever played a game with people and say, well, okay, think of three people you can imagine being together in a group, you would never pick those three guys, ever. It would just never happen. They're like the Avengers of, uh, of, <laughs> of, of fighting censorship. <laughs> and wasn't Tipper a drummer in a rock band? Was she? Was she? I believe so. Why? <laughs> Oh. So there you go. Didn't know that. That's messed up. <laughs> well, I mean, you well, know, I'm... when your husband invents the internet, you can do anything. <laughs> We have to say this wasn't the only metal, um, satanic metal band movie that came out in the 80s. I mean, there were there was a number of them, actually. There was uh, – what was the one with the, the – Ozzy was in it. <clears throat> oh, God. Oh, come on now. Yeah, no. Trick or Treat. Yeah. Yeah, Trick or Treat. Yeah, yeah. There was Trick or Treat, and then there was there what was, was that a couple one with of Alice other. Cooper about like the the evil hounds of hell or something. Well, you're talking about uh, the Devil Dog or? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Devil Dog. Am I imagining yeah. that? Who is in? No, that? no. Yeah, Alice Cooper is in that. <laughs> but I mean, but there were there was um, there was a couple of Rocktober Blood was another one I think that oh. was kind of a heavy metal horror movie. There was a couple of them. I think uh, John but, uh, Fasano, who directed this one, his previous movie uh, was Rock and Roll Nightmare from '87. There you go. Oh my God! That right, looks with John Michael. That yeah, was with awesome. John Michael Thor. Thor. And yeah. in this interview that he gave on uh, on the projection booth, he said really that out of his first three films, uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, oh, the one there was one that came before Rock and Roll Nightmare. I can't remember what that was called, but he hated the first two. Uh, although he still sort of like went to conventions and screenings, special screenings with them, but he said that Black Rose is the one that he truly loved. The others, he said, nah poorly made i learned something new every time and that eventually led to black roses which is the one i'm really proud of right. no rock and roll nightmare is hilarious i mean that that film's awesome too like i mean you you, you think this one morris really made your jaw drop when you see rock and roll nightmare man good lord 
<laughs> it's just, you know, and it's so funny because it's like, you know, let, let's put it this way, okay? Just imagine some, like, this this director, John Fratano, like, you know, he really believes in what he's doing, but it's kind of like, you know, it's like somebody making you a, a spam and grilled cheese sandwich. And even though it's spam and grilled cheese, it's the best fucking spam and grilled cheese sandwich you'll ever have you know and i mean and you can't deny it and as much as you sit there and you say i'm i'm eating processed cheese and spam <laughs> it's it's fantastic you know it's it's just Loving yeah it exactly much. and you know this is a this is a thing that i've always said about any film regardless is that if you can feel the enthusiasm behind the people that are making it you're halfway there Right. You're right. half you're, yeah. you're halfway there if you can feel it. Yeah. You know, like that's it. And I don't care what kind of budget you have. I mean, I've seen I've seen films with like, you know, two hundred million dollar budgets that are just, you know, flaccid as your granddad. And then, you know, I've seen films with like, you know, five thousand dollar budgets that were just fantastic because they were just having a blast making what they made, you know. Right, mm-hmm. right. It's all in the attitude, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. So before, uh, while we were speaking about scenes in the film that were made afterwards and, you know, would probably not be made today, um, I, I alluded to that there was another one. And I imagine that, you know, Bernie, this might have been your favorite scene in the film. This 60 second moment before <coughs> one of the, uh, the teacher's students, Julie, before she goes off to kill her father with... I think I, I, I know the scene you're talking about. Why is it my right. favourite before, scene? Before, before, the, before the sculpture, we get this completely gratuitous I moment. I think it's Wendy's favourite scene. <laughs> right, it's it, my favourite. I love that scene. So she stands and looks at herself in the mirror and feels her nipples com- for no good reason. She's wearing this corset. She's just wearing this corset just like hikes down this corset and starts groping it herself. Just, uh, I love that. It just, so it just, John John Fasana revealed, on, and it goes on, doesn't it? It does. John yes, Fasana it's revealed, so ridiculous. He, he revealed two things in the interview. One was that that was one of the scenes that he got to film afterwards for keeping the film short and was allowed to go on and do something else. So that was you know, just a, let's do another take of that one, baby. Come on, let's do it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and the thing was, he got a he, not a stunt double. He got a body double. That was not the actress she said. Well, do you know? It's still a Well, he did not get a very great body double. It's very apparent it's not her because you don't see her face at all, do you? It's just... Um... Yeah, he could have gotten a bustier body double. Let's admit that. <laughs> he could have gotten some better tips. You work with what you have. But it's so funny. Um, it's, it's like there's nothing nothing wrong with the odd tweak here and there, you know? I mean, you know, every, everybody's, everybody's had a tweak, you know? Right there, yeah. Wendy, it was at that moment that I really thought, I really need to invite Josh Samford. <laughs> Onto this I program and I make this. It was supposed to be a I mean, see here trashy trio you know, double feature sort of thing. It was. It was. There's uh, there's twerking and there's tweaking. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> but the one thing I wanted to say too that I think is kind of funny was um, when you see the, the 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 concert whenever the Black Roses are playing and you see the audience. It's hilarious because it's like, you know, I'm walking at this thing and I'm thinking, I'd say only out of all this entire crowd, only 10 percent have ever been to a real concert before (laughs) because because it was like some of them. It's like you're looking at these girls and it's like they're having orgasms or something, you know, like (laughs) they're just like, oh, my God, ah!" like, you know, like that's just any concert. (laughs) 
No, but this was like this. Th- this was like somebody was riding a Sibian, you know, in the crowd. You know what I mean? Like this is like this. This is like some girl is just like you know gushing in the crowd. Like I mean, like this wasn't just you know being ecstatic about music. I'm I'm, I'm just kind of looking at some of these, and and then they had the other end where there was people that were just like eh. Like they were so unenthusiastic, you know. So I'm I'm looking at the crowd and like you've got half the people overacting, and then you got half the people underacting, and then you got the ten percent that are like, yeah, we know what this is all about. So you know, it's just like they're kind of in the background, you know. But I just thought it was hilarious. Like the this the the audiences were just to me were just so funny. Did anybody spot the um the 2001 homage in this? No. No. Uh, Now, I I might be reading a little much into this, but... No, not at all. The scene... Thank you. The scene um, where uh, Julie kills her stepdad, which was just after the gratuitous boob squeezing. She beats him with that uh, (laughs) ashtray, doesn't she? Yeah. Banging him on the back of the head. And he falls down onto the floor, and then you get a, a shot of just his head on the floor with his eyes closed, and then it cuts to an exactly the same uh, shot, but it's the uh, teacher, and he's fallen asleep on his desk. Mm. So it's like it goes from one image to the exactly the same image somewhere else. So it was kind of like when the um, you know the apes throw the bone in the air and it turns into the spaceship in 2001. You're completely right. It's, it's got to be that. I think it's got to be so, yeah. homage to Stanley Kubrick. I think it's yep. obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know what? Actually, well, I mean, the cubic influence is so obvious all yeah. over this. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Bernie, <laughs> if, if, if I might, <laughs> if I might put this notion forward, he got two Kubrick references with one because if he, you got that shot, that 2001 thing, but is also something of the Clockwork Orange in there because what did she beat him with? With a sculpture. It's like you know, um, yeah. Alex going beating. Beating that woman with yeah. that giant sculptured knob. That's right. Giant sculptured knob. That's something you don't hear every day. That's, that's poetry. <laughs> it is. Thank you. Right. That's a, that's a really great insult, man. Like, you know, you just tell somebody, <laughs> you, you, you're, you, you're just a giant sculptured knob. That's what you are, you know? So, you yeah. know, keeping it classy. So One thing I was going to say that was funny, and I don't mean to cut right down to the end, but the, the big showdown between you know our uh, creepy English teacher and uh, the band, I was when just he, gonna, he uh, goes in, allude to that. Yeah, sorry, go on, Tim. To yeah. put an end to them. The one thing I don't understand, okay, is what is the one thing you associate with hell? <laughs> uh, uh, elevator music. Fire. Oh uh, yeah. Uh huh. So, so you know, you, what wh- why would you why would you assume that you could basically. Uh, you know, defeat these evil satanic dudes by setting them on fire. <laughs> well, what do you we think is the right best choice? way to defeat evil satanic rocker dudes? Should he have shot well, a hose they, at them or something? No, he, he he actually should have got Striper or pulled out a Christian <laughs> rock band or something like that, man. Like, you know, or better yet, the Carpenters. The, car- the Carpenters fucking kill everything <laughs> dead, man. All you got to do is uh, those sweet strains of Karen Carpenter. Man, every 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 evil of a being within 50 feet will just, like, you know, run screaming, you know? Hey, I want to put that to the <laughs> test. Wendy, I want to hear you sing, I'm on the top of the world. <laughs> I would but I'm in a hotel lobby. Oh, uh, yeah, like that matters. <laughs> <laughs> so as, uh, as 
the English teacher, Matt, whatever he was called, as he was about to burn the uh, the demons, because they're on stage playing at this point. Um, Did you not think it was strange, though, that he was able to... He was, like, in full view of all these people with the petrol can and these sticks of dynamite, yeah. and it took them, like, three whole minutes to actually, for anyone to notice he was there. That's what, exactly what I was going to mention. He kind of he oh, sneaks right, down right, the, the aisle. Right, the smell of gas. Yeah, in front exactly. of everybody. And he's acting yeah, like no one can see off. him. Right. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, and then he starts throwing the gasoline on stage and they, they still haven't noticed at that point. And then someone in the audience <laughs> is like, whoa, and they all jump on him. But uh, yeah, so uh, the demons go up in flames. And um, it's amazing how quickly their uh, their hold over the kids vanishes as soon as they, you know, you set them on fire. Everyone suddenly realizes well, it's like screaming. Right. And all the kids run out screaming and it's like, oh, no, we're going to get busted now. We're going to be responsible for this shit. Ah! And everybody just runs out the door, you know, all the people they killed. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So one one thing that I think was possibly lacking from the film and, and yeah, OK, so you've already gone and spoken about you know, how they released from the spell, but it's never sort of made apparent as to what it is that gets the kids to all become satanic, uh, as it were. I mean, you know, everywhere else in North America and never else in the Western world, uh, kids were drawn in by the allure of rock music. But, of course, no rock music had ever played in Mill Basin since, you know, uh, over the previous 30 years of its existence. So It was but, the town of Flashdance. It was like the town from Footloose. Right. Satanic Footloose, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so what, I mean, if I would have been, it would have been interesting if they would have had like a, a Rod Serling Twilight Zone element to it, where there was there was um, something about how the way that the band looked at the audience and cast a spell on them. I mean, really, are we certain that lyrics like "It's a rock invasion" was what was <laughs> making them become absolutely metal? satanic worshipping teenagers or was it was it the music was it Carmine Apache and his his mustache Uh, they were bored (laughs) as shit though I mean those kids were just bored as shit I mean they would have listened to anything you know I mean it's just anything comes around you know they were just like yeah man I'm game you know so it's feasible that the carpenters could have turned them into satanic worshipping people. I mean, yeah. oh that would have been really horrific walking into the theater and all these kids wearing cardigan sweaters and Oh, you do you remember that bit in uh, Wayne's World 2 where Garth thinks that the worst thing and the worst fate in the world could be to have his teeth drilled into while watching a Kenny G concert? Ooh. I imagine that's, <laughs> right. that's my idea of hell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd rather take teeth drilling over Kenny G. Yes, yes. But I'd yeah, rather right. drill into Kenny G's teeth just to make him suffer <laughs> like we've all suffered. Marathon man style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think credit also ought to be given to um, – uh, the, uh, the name Richard Alonso, uh, who was, I think, listed at the uh, beginning of the film, the opening credits, as the creator of the creature effects <laughs> in the opening title. So presumably he's responsible for the uh, sort of lizard-like creation that kills Vincent Pastore, as well as the rubber masks for, for the band members and, and the bubbling on their hands and all that. He, I mean... Think it, look at, looking at his IMDb credits, he's actually gone on to do The Sixth Sense, Iron Man, AI, Oz Great and Powerful. But I don't know huh. about you guys. I don't think he ever topped Black Roses. No. 
I certainly don't remember any uh, killer demon puppets in Iron Man, so I obviously wasn't watching it closely <laughs> enough. No. I wonder if he was responsible for the fake fangs in uh, Julie's mouth when, when her teacher says, No! I don't want you to go down on me! <laughs> that he spent was... the whole film with those pictures on his wall, yeah, and yeah. she says, I've got a present for you. And he's, no, got, this, Julie, he's got this wrong. look on his this face like, I want it, but it's wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> the best thing about that scene, when when she fully turns into a demon and is attacking him, he <laughs> he picks up a tennis racket and he's beating her <laughs> with a tennis racket. <laughs> that was amazing. And the Academy oh, Award yeah. for the best weapon ever in a film is Black Roses for a tennis racket. Tennis racket. I was going to say he beats her off with a tennis racket, but yeah. you could have misconstrued that. So. <laughs> I think we're sort of coming to the end of this, really. Has anyone uh, anyone else got anything they want to uh, to mention about this? Any things they particularly enjoyed or disliked or favourite scenes? Or I loved yeah. it all, and not in an ironic sort of way. As as Tim Witten said before, if there's enough enthusiasm by the cast, if it looks like they're loving what they're doing, that comes through. I don't believe in the so bad, it's good saying. I just believe, was it entertaining? <coughs> And this was super entertaining. I loved it. So thank you, Bernie, for suggesting this one. You're welcome. I uh, I totally uh, totally agree with your uh, summing up there, Morris. So 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Great. A lot of fun. Really good. Tim, right. Wendy? Thank you. Thank you for, for picking this one. This was a great, great movie. It was a lot of fun. And I recommend it. Yay. Yeah, this is, uh, this is fun, you know. And I mean, this is the kind of film, you know, when – you want to sit back and, you know, get a case of beer and just, you know, get a pizza with some friends and just, yeah. you know, watch something just big, dumb and goofy. Like, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with that at all. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Two thumbs up from all of us. Yay. Go out and uh, buy Black Roses. <coughs> watch it, everyone. Um, OK, well, I guess uh, that's it for this month. Um as always, uh, you can check out the uh, See Here Facebook uh, page um, and leave some comments about the podcast or things that you might like to see us cover. Um, we have an email address, which I can't remember. What is it, Morris? It's uh, See Here Podcast. That's uh, H-E-A-R, which you obviously know if you're listening to the show. See Here Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, please uh, send and us And whose pick is it next month? Sorry? Whose pick is it next month? Well, actually, it was supposed to be mine, but I've deferred until July because we have a very special guest Ooh. on the show in June. And for those of you in the GGTMC community, the name Justin Oberholzer, a.k.a. Uh-huh. The Cinemasochist, is no stranger but if you've never if you're not part of the ggtmc community and why not uh then let me just explain that uh, justin overholzer up until he started doing his university degree in recent times he was um known for being a reviewer of uh, films that he could watch so you wouldn't have to hence he calls himself the cinemasochist and he used to have a really wonderful podcast uh, which the name eludes me for the moment, but um, uh, he only put out, I think, 20 episodes or so, but they were a lot of fun and talking about a man who is completely enthused uh, when giving movie reviews, Justin Oberholzer was that guy. So he uh, actually he sent us a note saying, look, I'm about to go on summer vacation and I want to dip my toes back into the water of the podcasting world. Do you mind if I come on your show uh, and uh, talk with you about a film? And well, 
why not indeed? So remember, I spread it around to you guys. Are you guys happy to have the Cinemasochist on? What would be the perfect film for the Cinemasochist? Now, I thought Can't Stand the Music or Xanadu. Yes, yeah, Can't Stop the Music, absolutely. But the common consensus Oh, no, it's Rattler and Hum, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, that, that's, oh, that's no. beyond proof. That's beyond proof. I wouldn't Jeez. do that to Tim. No, you guys said, no, it's got to be the apple. So in oh, June... Oh, my God. Okay. Nice. We're in June, um, we're, we're covering the apple. Uh, I think the next time we have the Cinemasochist on, it's got to be Can't Stop the Music and Xanadu as a double feature, I think. I love Xanadu. I will hear no besmirching of that film. I love oh, Can't okay. Stop the Music. I think it's amazing. Oh, holy shit. Well, I've just so... gone and... Do you guys still love me? Of course, always, always. Yeah. We might not bless respect you, Morris, but we love you. Oh, bless you. <laughs> I, I can live with that. I can live with that. All right, so, we'll, yes, we're going to discuss The Apple. We're going to be uh, a five-member crew in June with uh, Justin Oberholzer. So uh, really looking forward to that one. Do you and know, I was, my... um, I was talking with uh, Bernice yesterday, my lovely wife, Bernice, funnily mm. enough, about The Apple. Uh-huh. And she said, there's no way in hell you're going to make me sit through that again. So, because uh, we, we, we watched it fairly recently, so um, I'm going to have to brave it again on my own for uh, for next month. Right. Oh yeah. So, and uh, you know, it just goes to show as well how dedicated we are, all four of us, to this podcast that we're going <laughs> to sit through movies like this for your listening pleasure. So we'll do it, so you don't have. You know, yeah. I, I told Max that we're going to be covering the Apple, and he just smiled and said, "Good luck with that." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Wow. All right, well, until next time. Yeah, Adios. thank you very much for listening, and uh, good night. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Good night, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Mm.